0: How's everybody doing? Anybody got a transform life? You got to do anything to transforming of you this morning? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Taking in the presence of the Lord is good. Can I have an amen on that? Thank you, Father, for your presence. Father, as we get into your word today, God, I thank you that your word is active, it is great at piercing and uncovering darkness in our thinking father even as we sang that song god get rid of our idols father thank you that you're destroying idols in our thinking idols and strongholds of the way we think and so god we ask for your power today through your word god that you would be doing a work in our hearts today of transformation of conforming us to your image god we thank you god for your word that God, your word is what renews us. And so, Father, I just pray. For an opening of all the hearts in this house and online, God, I ask for an opening of our hearts and our thinking, God, with your washing of your word today, God, that you would really penetrate us today and bring forth revelations. I thank you, God, that light bulbs are going to come on today. I thank you, God, that revelation is going to come in people's hearts. Change is going to take place today, God. This season that we're moving in, God, we thank you that you are going to do a work through your word today. and God we just open us ourselves up and say God change us can you say that God change me through your word God help me to see what you want me to see help me to lay down my idols and help me to give it all to you today in Jesus name amen amen Well, I was going to recap a little bit of uh, Tom's message, but I'm going to press in. Tom's message last week was good. He gave us a couple points about some of the things that hinder us in uh, bringing salvation to the lost around us. And um, one of the statements that Tom said that I'm just going to mention, I'm not going to recap everything, but one of the questions Tom asked us last week was, uh, how does God want to use you to improve the church's reputation or Christianity's reputation? That sometimes our reputation or the things that we have done in the past in the church history, Tom talked about, but sometimes some of the things we do in our own lives actually become roadblocks for people to come to know Christ. By the way we live, our behavior, they see something in us that doesn't reflect the glory of the Lord, and they kind of back away, they call us hypocrites, they call us what? You've heard all the things, uh, and and so sometimes we can become a hindrance to people coming to know Christ because of our behavior and the way we walk out our life, but God wants to give us a transformed life, amen? And, and And I probably would even say a transforming life, because the transformation never stops, But chapter 12 of Romans is a powerful passage, one of my favorite passages in the Word of God, and I have focused so much on chapter 2 of Romans that I've missed even some of what's in the very first verse of Romans, chapter 12, and so we're going to go into a message today, and uh, I've I've titled it Hashtag Transformed Life, and uh, trying to get hip, right? I don't even know what that means, but hashtag, okay, for all you young bucks. But I, I want to I talk about three points today, or three principles that I've pulled out of Romans chapter 12, and I hope you'll take notes today and kind of just put, put down those three points, and I've got, given you an acronym again to this week so that it helps you remember. I'm going to call it the more process of transformation, and so I'm going to give you three points today before we get done that I believe is going to help if you will pull uh, or bring these principles into your life. I believe it will bring the transformed life that we're all looking for, that we can literally change who we are and we can restore the reputation of the body of Christ. We can restore God's kingdom on the earth and God can start using us to affect our city our region and really our lost our lost loved ones some of us in this room you have children that are, a lot, are away from the lord and unfortunately sometimes it's been your behavior that has been the 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 catalyst that has kept them from the lord sometimes ouch and so it's it's we've got to engage our hearts in a transformed life so that our children come to know Christ, that they see something different. They're not hearing me preach to them and beg them to come to church, but they're seeing something of a transformation in me, a transforming that's going on that becomes attractive. I love to see change in people's lives. Anybody else love to see change? Change. I love it when somebody has struggled with something for a while and you see breakthrough and you see that they quit lying or they quit cheating or they quit drugging or they quit doing stuff and you go, that's a transformed life. That's the transforming power, because Tom said, we need a gospel that brings change to people's lives, and I say yes and amen. The church needs a gospel that changes the way people live and the way people behave. And true salvation, let me hear me, true salvation does bring a transformed life. If your life is not transforming, I, wanna, I beg to ask, are you truly saved in Christ? Have you really yielded your life to Christ? Because when you accept Christ in your life through salvation, there is something on the inside that begins to happen. Can I have an amen? Amen. And transformation starts to happen. So I want to go into this more process today, give you three points out of the word of God, and I believe that God is going to help us move into greater transformation and freedom and to restore our reputation and the glory of Christ in this community. Amen? So that's a brief introduction. So let's go. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 12, where we're going to be. If you have your iPhones or your Samsungs or whatever kind of device you have, feel free to pull up Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we're going to go there and read this out of the NIV, and then we're going to begin to unpack this. I'm hoping I can get this all landed. So, Romans 12, 1-2, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The verse I've always focused on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, thank you for the blessing and the, of the reading of your word. Let it transform us today in Jesus' name. Now that therefore is there. This is the third therefore in the book of Romans that we've come through as we've studied the word of God. The last one we talked about was in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember the message? There's no punishment. There's no guilt. You are free. The righteousness of Christ has been given to you. You are no longer guilty. Amen. And we were doing some shouting and dancing and doing some curly, curly shuffles. And it was an exciting message about how we are therefore there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. And now the second one, or the third one we come to, is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So we have to go back again to chapter 11 that Tom was in last week to find out what he's talking about, what is the therefore, therefore, right? So let's go back one chapter to 11, verse 30 and 32. And we're going to, I'm going to just briefly talk about the end of 11 so that we can catapult into chapter 12 because you can't have 12 without 11. You guys with me? Yeah. So here's what Paul says to the Roman people. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God. Now the Romans were what? They were Gentiles, correct? They were not Jews. There were some Jews in Rome but the vast majority of this letter was going to Gentile believers like us. They did; they, they were not Jewish people. And so Paul says, just as you were at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, because Israel and the Jew disobeyed. They did not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They rejected the Messiah, majority of them. Some of them received Jesus, but the majority of the Jews disobeyed the presentation of Christ. And when Christ came on the scene and because they disobeyed, mercy was then extended to the Gentile, us. Everybody say amen. Amen. And so mercy as a result has been has been given to you. So let me, let me let me read it again. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy, you and I have now received mercy. The Gentiles had now received the mercy of God as a result of their disobedience so that so they too have now become disobedient. So now Israel, the Jew has now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. So just as we've received mercy from the Lord because of the Jews' disobedience and rejection of Christ, what's now going to happen and what he's declaring that is going to come is the Jew is now going to receive mercy because of our our obedience. And because we have received uh, Christ, now he's going to offer mercy again and Israel will have the opportunity to receive God's mercy again. And Tom kind of talked a little bit about that. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. For God has bound everyone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all been bound to disobedience so that God could extend his mercy to all of us And we just need to receive that mercy, don't we? But God, in that chapter 11, he talks about, I will show mercy on whom I choose to show mercy. And so this word mercy, look at that, how many times mercy is placed within the last chapter of, at the end of chapter 11. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And so now we move into chapter 12 And Paul begins to say, therefore, because of this, I want you to do something. So now let's read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, everybody say in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Some translations say, by the mercies of God, which I think is powerful too. But I'm going to get into this issue of mercy as your number one point in the the, uh, more transformation. If you're taking notes, I want you to put in your notes, M for mercy. And I want to unpack mercy, and I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on mercy this morning Because I think it's something that we miss. And I think it affects our ability to be transformed by the power of God. I believe without mercy, we don't comprehend how to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Are you guys cool with that? So mercy. Mercy. What is mercy? What is the definition of mercy? When, When we look at that and he says he's extended mercy to us. What does the word mercy mean? Mercy is compassion and forgiveness shown towards someone who deserves punishment. In other words, everyone in this room deserves punishment, right? We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. And what removes that punishment was what we talked about in Romans 8. Because we have accepted Jesus and we believed upon the Son of the living God. Jesus, God has made a way through Jesus for us to be redeemed back to the Father and we are not punished any longer. That's the mercy of God. That is his grace towards, and he chooses to give mercy. Another way to say mercy is to become the recipient of compassion. To become the recipient of compassion and leniency. Leniency? Mm, interesting. To show favor. Mercy toward your behavior. Mercy towards your performance. Mercy towards your disobedience. Everybody say mercy. Now, here's where I propose something to us today. As I've been meditating on this, because I've never seen this, I don't want to make too big of a point on it, but I think I must emphasize it today, because I think here's where we miss often the power behind mercy to, press, to, to move us into a transformed life. Here's what I believe. If you will keep, and I have it underlined, if you will keep in your view, if you will keep in your view God's mercy to you, it will empower you to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. If you will keep in the forefront of your thinking, every day, the mercy of God towards you, That mercy is why it's therefore there, that if we will keep the mercy of the Lord in our forefront of our thinking, that is what will empower you to become this offering and a sacrifice unto the Lord, and it will give you the power to move towards a transformed life. What do you think about that? I propose that we don't do that. I propose to us this morning that mercy is not what is at the forefront of our thinking. I propose that there's something else occupying that space, occupying that thinking, occupying what goes on right between your cranium, your ears, the battlefield of your mind. What I propose... That is in that place, when we're talking about a transformed life, moving towards Christ, getting more mature in our walk with God. What I propose is in that place is thoughts of performance, being critical of ourself, having self-doubt, being critical of others. I should be doing more. I'm not enough. I I don't read the Bible enough. I don't study enough. I think performance and doing right things, the law, is in the forefront of our thinking. I fall short. I miss the mark. I need to do better. I asked my wife when, when I was preparing this message, I said, baby, when you're thinking about how you're growing in God and where you need to go with God. I said, babe, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Man, I need to do so much more. So that, that confirms what I was thinking. And I look at my own life, how critical, critically based I've been of myself. And then when I'm critical of myself, I'm then critical of others. Can I have a witness? I believe we keep that in view. But when you're trying to become more like Jesus Christ, which is a transformed life, if you're always thinking about your performance, your behavior should be better. Criticizing yourself and others never, hear me, it never brings a transformed life. You being critical of yourself never brings a transformed life. You being critical of somebody else and telling them where they need to get better never, ever, ever produces a transformed life. It produces the very opposite. It produces sin consciousness. It produces heaviness. It feels like danged if you do or danged if you don't. Why try? Anybody smoked that pipe? It's the only smoking I've done. And I've done too much of that one. If you're hearing it online, smoking criticalness, not a pipe. <laughs> Focusing on yourself and your performance does not help. It changes no one. Your performance does not earn his mercy. He chooses to have mercy on who he chooses to have mercy. And that's all of us. And keeping his mercy in your view. Hear me. Keeping his mercy in your view. Keeping his mercy in your view daily. Keeping his mercy in view on how he sees you will give you the power to become a living sacrifice. What does the Bible said? His mercy and his kindness lead us to what? Repentance. You mean my criticalness and my judgmentalness about myself and others doesn't lead people to, to repentance? No, his kindness leads me to transformation. It leads me to repenting and changing the way I think. My critical view does not lead me to a changed life. My criticalness does not lead me to a changed life. I'm not saying that we don't have to be self-aware. I'm not saying we we don't do self-awareness and bring things to the Lord. Yes, we're going to talk about that renewal process here in a moment. Actually, what a critical spirit will do and your view of performance, what it will do, it will defeat you. And it will zap your joy. And you'll go around a miserable man or woman being critical of everyone and nobody wants to be around you. And then we become an obstacle for those around us to experience Jesus Christ. Because we're viewing something that we're not to be viewing. So what empowers us to change is knowing his mercy and his love towards us. And we are changed by what we behold and what we think on. So this scripture, Paul is pressing us into this aspect of transformation. And he's saying, hey, where I focused on was not conforming to the pattern of this world. And so I became sin conscious. But as I've been going over Romans and I've been having truth renewed again as I've been seeing how we've been justified and how we've, there's no condemnation and the beautiful truth that Paul brings to us of who we are in Christ. My mind has been being renewed and showing me that i got to focus on his mercies and not myself. If I behold myself, I become more like what? Myself. If I behold him and his mercy, guess what I become like? You become like what you behold. So my question to you is, so how are you doing at keeping your view every day in God's mercy towards you and your mercy and God's mercy towards others? My suspicion is you might be on the performance side. You might be on the critical side. How's that working for you? God can change this if we submit to more transformation. And we realize that mercy has got to be what motivates us. And so do you, I want to ask you, let's go down a little bit of memory trail here, if you might, if we might. Do you remember the mercy that God extended to you when you got saved? Come on. Does anybody remember how dark they were? Does anybody remember how depressed and discouraged and desperate you were before Christ? Do you remember that mercy that came running down to you? Oh, I remember it well at 13. Oh, my goodness. I remember running to the altar and God extending his love and mercy. And the weight of sin was removed. And I began my process of transformation. Mm. Oh, sweet day. You remember his mercy and no condemnation? (laughs) Well, I was going through my mind of my wife and I's 36, 7 years of marriage and thanking God this week of how different my wife is. Oh my gosh. So fearful and insecure, and she's so strong. She's a woman of faith and power. She's so precious. I thank God of the deliverance of anger and rage from my life and all the things he's delivered us from. The mercy extended to us when we were seven years barren. The mercy that has been extended to our lives in this church for the last 25 years. I think of, can you remember the mercy he's been extended to you, Uh Shelly? Your drug-filled life? You were really messed up. Ashley, I remember you in high school At the old building when we got there. You remember how jacked up you were? I mean, we all remember it well. You weren't saved. You were jacked up. Daddy wounds. Sam, do you remember how crazy messed up you were? Come on, brothers and sisters. Do you remember the mercy of our God? Yes. Yes. Chris Hansen came in here looking like a tackle box. He had so many piercings. I was like, hey, you wanna go fishing? I'm gonna throw you in the water. I remember Monty Sewell when he got saved. Hair was down to his hips and beard and rough as a cob. And man, God came, and the mercy of God. Boom! Boom, change, salvation, newness of life. Do you remember the mercy of God? Well, the mercy of God was just not at salvation. It's been extended to you every day of your life. And it's not at the forefront of your thinking, and it needs to be. Lamentations 3, I love it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Everybody say that with me. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Did you notice the songs we sang this morning? They had no clue I was going to talk about mercy how many songs did we sing this day? The Holy Spirit set us up. Amen. That mercy will cause your feet to dance. A forgiven soul, man, makes it wants to focus its affection on, on the Lord. Amen. That's preaching stuff right there. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning, and we have got to begin to put the mercies of the Lord in our forefront of our thinking. And as we do, we're going to move then to our next point. You want to know what the next point is of, oh, for more transformation? It's what Romans 2 then says, that as we move from p- p- keeping the view of mercy at our forefront, now we're able to offer our bodies unto the Lord. Whoops, I went too far. Oh, I didn't put it on there. Great. Didn't realize that. So the second step in the transformed life is to offer your body as a sacrifice to God. And so what that scripture is, I forgot to put it up there. Do not be conformed to the... Oh, no, no. It's the first one. That's right. Go back to verse one. It's it's in verse one. I'm not to two yet. In verse one, it says what? Uh, Brothers and sisters... Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer, everybody say, offer. offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so we're going to talk about offering our bodies to the Lord this morning. That's our second point, if you're taking notes. Um, some, some versions say, present your bodies. Mine says, offer your bodies. I like both of them. If we look at the textual meaning of that word offering and presenting, it is a Levitical priesthood word. It's, if you guys remember when we studied the book of Hebrews last fall, and we were going through how Jesus is our high priest, this offering perspective, this, this word literally means like the priest would do. He would bring an offering, an animal to the, to the, to the, to the altar, he would sacrifice that, that, that animal for your sins, and your sins would be covered by that blood of that animal, and we realize we do no longer, no longer sacrifice animals because Jesus became the atoning sacrifice. Can I have an amen? amen? He took on your guilt, your sin, your shame. He took it all on for himself, and he went to the altar of the cross, and he died that death, right? But Paul's giving us this metaphor of offering our bodies to the Lord and that his mercy is what empowers us to become this living sacrifice that offers our body to the Lord and no longer a dead animal, but we become a living sacrifice. And we've joked around here from time to time as, yeah, I always get up on the altar and I, I die and then I crawl, crawl back off the cross and... Do my own thing. And, and there's this funny jab that we make about we, we, we're we a living sacrifice, but the sacrifice keeps getting off the cross, right? And, and we do that. We get distracted in our life. We get distracted in the process of transformation. And sometimes we do. We take ourselves off the altar. We take ourselves off as an offering to the Lord. And we get in a funk and we get real stupid and we kind of go our own way for a while. And then Holy Ghost is going, yeah. <laughs> come on back, boy. Come on back. And Holy Spirit begins to draw our affection. And he goes, no, you're, I love you. You're mine. I'm coming after you. You can run, but you can't hide. Anybody been there? Yeah. But we're in this season where God's calling this church to a greater level of transformation. we got to jump in. But why would Paul use the analogy and say, offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice, why did he say, "Hey, offer your mind as a living sacrifice, offer your spirit as a living sacrifice"? Why did he use body? You ever thought about that? Well, I have. Well, hear what I think. I think it's what God thinks because I'm renewing my mind. We know that the body is the what? The temple of the Holy Spirit temple of God. God has made a temple for himself inside of you right. as you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? right. God in you, the hope of glory. Amen. He's in you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And when we offer our body as a sacrifice, your body becomes the headquarters or the base of operation for Holy Spirit, and when I offer my body to God as a sacrifice, I become I become the housing unit of Holy Spirit. I become the the operation station. I become I, I, be, I become the 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 war place where the Holy Spirit can now. Use my body to then affect other people. Would you agree with me? I become the operation house for the Holy Spirit to work through me, to love, to serve, to help people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? to do his work in the world, to do his work in my family, to do his work at work, in the schools. Everywhere I go, I'm supposed to be doing the work of God because he lives in me, and I've offered myself as an offering on the altar for the Lord. And I become the operation base for God. I think that's exciting, by the way. And so when you offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, our bodies become this army base, as I'm saying. Your body becomes a tool of the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Anybody want to be the the tool that God uses, the Holy Spirit uses, to be the kingdom of heaven on the earth, to be the demonstration of the glory of God, that when people see our lives, they go, dang, there's something different about that dude. That dude, he used to do this and this and this. Something's happened, man. He is one whackdo dude. She has really changed. God is doing something. I don't know what's going on with you. Why don't you use why don't you do why don't you do you used to do this? Your body becomes the hands and feet of Jesus to the earth. And I think about all the people in the word who became the operation base of Holy Spirit. I think of, I think of Moses. God used his mouth. He used his body. He used his mouth to bring the children of Israel out of slavery. I think of David. God used David's hands and a sling to what? Bring down Goliath. <laughs> I think of Mary. Mary, who used her body to bring forth the Son of God. I think of Paul and how God used Paul's voice and his legs as he traveled miles after miles after miles on three missionary journeys. And he became the voice. God used his body. God, he offered his body unto the Lord and his body was used for the Lord. When we go on the mission trip, we're 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 giving our body to the Lord, our hands and our feet to God. And that's where Paul went in the next few chap- in the next few verses of, of Romans 12, and he starts talking about the gifts. And he says, just as each one of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so Christ, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me and I belong to you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And he's using this body reference. And and then he goes into the gifts that each one of us has been given. And all of them are different. He says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. And if it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, which all of us are to do, what does it say? Do it cheerfully. Holy Spirit's base of operation. Right here. Command central. And Paul's saying, will you offer your body as a living sacrifice? He's not just talking about dying. He's not just talking about dying to your flesh and all your lusts and all your... This, is, this life's a lot more than just getting sin out of your life. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Dear God. But our bodies are a living sacrifice for God to work through, the Holy Spirit to work through. So Paul is saying, offer your body to the Lord is the second thing that is going to bring transformation to your life. If you don't pour out with your body and help other people and do the word of God, you become stagnant and you quit transforming. Anybody in this room, if you've ever taught the word or had, had a Bible study with anybody or is helping anybody along, who grows the most? Me. And if you're not giving out, if you're not discipling somebody, if you're not in the word helping somebody, if you're not serving someone in the streets, if you're not going and being the hands and feet, and your body is not being offered to the Lord, you won't transform. It's part of the transformation process. Offering your body. Offering your mouth. Offering your hands, offering your feet, offering your money, offering your help. It is how we do transform and move our life down the road. Can I have an amen? People will not come to Christ without you becoming a living sacrifice to the Lord. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And I believe also we won't stay a living sacrifice if we don't keep offering our body to the Lord and keep mercy at the forefront. Because my desire is not to guilt you today. It's to inspire you. It's to move. It's to empower you to move your life forward. So two, again, is offer your body as a living sacrifice. Number two. I'm going to move into number three. And I think we've got enough time to do it. Good. What do you think the R stands for? More. Transformation. Pretty obvious. Chapter 2, or verse 2. I put it up here in the NIV and NSESV. This is the passage. And I am going to get to the rest of the Bible, believe it or not, in chapter 12. But I am going to hit it fast <laughs> after I lay these two foundational points on this, in this third one. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Everybody say renewing of the mind. So R in more is renew your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I wanted to read ESV because I'm going to bring a point about this, and I'm going to mention it right now as we read it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, everybody say that, that by testing, you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to highlight this issue of testing because testing is very important in the renewal of the mind process. And I think ESV kind of brings it out a little better than the NIV does. And that's why I read it. And I'll come back to this in a moment. But I want to talk a little bit uh, because. I'll give you a little brief, I'll describe it more, but the testing thing is you have to, the renewal of the mind process that we go through for transformation is we have to test what we're thinking. You have to test what you're thinking to see if what you're thinking lines up with the Word of God. And that's what Paul does the rest of chapter 12 is he gives you, and in my Bible it says... um, The the love in action. And Paul goes through this about 25 different commands of what a transformed life looks like in chapter 12. But when I brought this out, this whole testing, that by testing, you have to test. You know what? Your thinking is stinking. We have stinkingeth, thinkingeth. That's in the King James. Thou hast stinkingeth, thinkingeth. That's King James. Now, in rap, it's, man, I don't know what it is today, but you stink. You, you, you ain't right. You're cringy. you're cringy. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate bringing me up to date. But you have to test what you're thinking. Because what you think is not the Word of God sometimes. You think you're right. And what does it, the Bible talks about that we are to bring down every stronghold and pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that our biggest battle uh, and spiritual warfare that we do is right here in the thinking. Yeah, yeah, you can blame all the demonic powers and that's true. There are demonic powers, but it, it is the stronghold of your thinking that has to be tested. And the way we're tested is usually in conflict. Usually the way we're tested is when things go wrong, and we find what we're made of, and we find out what we believe in the test, in the wilderness. And we have to test what we're thinking and say, does it line up with the Word of God? Am I loving well? Am I being honorable? Am I doing what the Word of God says? And if not, then I have to renew my mind to the thinking and to what the Word of God says. That's called transformation. The renewal of your mind from stinking thinking to good thinking. So and if we do this and we practice this and we keep mercy at the forefront, not our performance, then we begin to be transformed and we then give the world a God encounter. We give the world a transformed life encounter which is what we deserve to give them, and we quit being an obstacle to people's salvation. We, keep, we quit being an obstacle to our family coming to know Christ. We be, quit being an obstacle to people in the community where they see your life and they go, I, I don't think I'll go to that church. They smoke pot. I don't think I'll go to that church. They, they, they do this. I don't, they wave flags. <laughs> they seem a little weird. Yep, 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 we are. We are, yep, yep, yep. How many want to quit being an obstacle? Well, the issue is we can't conform to the pattern of this world, right? And here's one point that I wanted to make in the issue of conforming to this world and not being an obstacle. The Bible is clear that we're not to conform to the world system, the world way of thinking, right? And And the Lord just downloaded in my heart, he said, you know, he said, don't don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's really what that says. Don't, Christians in Rome, hey guys, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The only reason we conform to the world's way of thinking, I believe, I shouldn't say the only way. One of the major reasons why we conform to the pattern of this world is because of fear. Here's what I I want to say about that. I believe we are afraid we won't fit in. We're afraid we won't be liked. We're afraid to look stupid and be rejected. Fear of rejection from the crowd is why teenagers conform to the world at school. Fear of rejection is why teenagers conform to the world at school and don't stand up for their faith is because they're afraid to be rejected. When my son was in high school and I walk in on him and Caleb Davis is playing basketball and Joel was playing basketball and I walk in and my son goes S-H-I-T as he's in practice and Caleb Davis is going, <laughs> you're dead. My son's fear of rejection was why he was conforming to the language of the world. Would you agree with that? That is why adults conform to the world at work and engage in coarse joking and sexual innuendos because they have a fear of being rejected and they want to fit in. Would you agree with that? And we become an obstacle to the people at work because we engage in stuff that we shouldn't engage in, and we lose our light. We lose our saltiness. Fear of rejection is why we conform to family traditions, why we follow friends and do stupid things, and even why we don't evangelize. We don't hit the streets and talk to people about Jesus. Because of fear of rejection. And we find ourselves being conformed to the pattern of this world of fear, performance, looking good, status, and we are squeezed into the confirmation or conforming of the world. Anybody smoked that pipe before? And Paul is doing a really good job of saying. If you'll keep Jesus and his mercy at the forefront and how he sees you, his mercy when you see other people, and you will be thankful, renewing your mind under the mercy of God, and if you'll offer your body as a living sacrifice, now you can begin to allow the word of God to transform your life, and you will not conform to the pattern of this world. The renewal of your mind. So how do we do it? How do we renew the mind? As I said earlier, we must test what we are thinking. And we must test it to what God says in his word that we are to be. And I think this is where Paul goes in chapter 12. Paul shows us how to renew our mind in the rest of chapter 12, which we're going to get to. And we're renewing our mind to the truths of God's word. You have to renew your mind to the washing of God's word. You have to know what the word of God says that you're to be, or you can't renew your mind to it. Would you agree? It's not about how you feel. I don't feel real peaceful right now. I don't feel like I need to do that. I feel like this is the right thing to do because I have peace on the inside. It's not about your feelings. It's not about what you think's right. It's about what the word of God says is right. We're being conformed to his image. Amen. And so Paul says, test your thoughts to see if they line up with God's word. I love this statement. I get saved by believing in Jesus. Right? I get saved, I I come to salvation by believing in Jesus. But I get transformed and free by believing like Jesus. Did you hear that? I become transformed and I become free by believing like Him. And how I believe changes how I behave. Remember that message last week, year? How I believe changes how I behave. So you can reform your behavior and you can act more loving and still not be loving. You can change your behavior and be more patient and not be patient. You can change your behavior and not talk about people, but still be talking about people. Right? So it's not about the law. It's about renewing how I think. Are you with me? Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah. And so Paul now unloads on us the rest of chapter twelve. And you could spend, I could have spent several weeks talking about this. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit a few bullet points because it's already twelve o'clock and and I'm just gonna run through these real quick. We're gonna have the worship team come up and finish this off here in a few minutes. And so I'm gonna hit this really quick quick. Love must be sincere. This is what a transformed life looks like. This is what we are to now renew our mind to, is what he's showing us. And he's saying right off the bat, he says what? Love must be sincere. Now, what do you think about love? I just mentioned a little bit, but don't be an actor. You know, don't make a meal for somebody just because out of duty and you have to. No, do it because you love. He said, don't be an actor. Don't make people think you care when you really don't. If you don't care, like I talked about two weeks ago, then you have to ask the Spirit of God to renew your mind of why I don't care that the lost are not being saved. And I have to renew my mind, and I have to ask the Holy Spirit to blow over my heart, and I have to get renewal for why I don't care. So let the feelings come up and you go, oh, crap, Eric, you're right, I don't care. Okay, you know you need renewal and you need to get what God says inside your heart so that your mind can be renewed. And you have to do that through the word, right? Hate what is evil. Well, that means evil should disgust you. If evil doesn't disgust you, you know you need to have a renewal in your mind concerning evil and sin. Make sense? Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. In other words, we're supposed to be devoted to each other like we really are family, not like we act like family. We got problems in that area. Sure. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh, honor one another above yourselves. Oh, in other words, give high reverence and high esteem and respect to others before yourself. (coughs) Woo-hoo-hoo! How are we doing on that one? I honor you, buddy. Good job. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's basically saying stay devoted to Jesus. And if you're not staying devoted to Jesus, something needs to be renewed in your mind. It's, it's a, and so what God's going to do is he's going to, be to hide, begin to highlight things in your heart. God's going to begin to turn light bulbs on you going go, Oop, that's an area that I need to work on. Well, if you go working on it by saying you're a worm and saying you're, you're stupid and you're not enough, if you don't go to him with the mercy of the Lord first and thank him for the mercy and, 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 and his, his compassion and forgiveness and love towards you and then move to offering your body as a living sacrifice and then getting in the word in that area... You won't transform your life. You'll just modify your behavior. Good luck with that. It never works. Oh, it does short-term, we'll say. Where was I at? Oh, I love this one. Chapter, or verse 12, be joyful in hope. We need some joy around this place, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Great happiness and hope. Believing the best in people. Believing the best in yourself. Patient in affliction. How are you doing when affliction comes? Are you real patient? Do you accept delays? Do you accept delays and problems and go, oh, no, I've got joyful hope through this. I know it's just a process where God's going to do something in me. He's showing me something. Renew your mind. Faithful in prayer, full of faith in prayer. If you're not full of faith in prayer and you're praying out of fear... Your mind needs to be renewed. You're not encountering God in some aspect or you would be faithful in your praying, not desperate and fearful. Does that make sense? So you need to have something renewed in that area. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Are you generous with your money? Are you tight? Could I put a piece of coal between your cheeks and in two weeks I'd have a diamond? little graphic, sorry. (laughs) If you're not generous to guest speakers, and I'm not talking about where the guest speaker comes and you change your tithe from tithe and you put it to to the guest speaker. You know, that tithe belongs to the Lord. That's not to the guest speaker. Guest speaker is your offering in alms. (laughs) When We we took up the offering for Ukraine. Are you generous? We sent $1,000, but most of that was from the church. And we, came, we had about 500 come in. But are we generous people? Are we generous with our money? If not, we need renewed in our mind and our thinking. If we're willing to give God's tithe to other people, you have to go, I thought the tithe belonged to the Lord. So I need renewed in my thinking if I'm giving my tithe to somebody else. I have to be renewed in my mind of what does the Bible say? I need to find out what the Word says. Because I didn't realize that was wrong. And that's okay if you're ignorant. But we have to know what the word of God says. Can I please have an amen? Amen. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to get your life transformed. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Come on, land the plane, Eric. Keep moving. I never talk about money here. Ever. Rarely. But I tell you what, generosity is the seed for prosperity. Yeah. Start giving, and you'll see. Generous with your money. Practice hospitality. How are you doing at practicing hospitality and bringing people in your home? Really, hospitality has to do with the love of strangers and people in the church too. But it's really about your love for strangers and opening up your home to others. Most people do not open their homes anymore because they need their mind renewed in their heart, and they don't do it because of something. There's a block here. Can I have an amen? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Well, following the way of the world, you would just uh, pay back evil for evil, wouldn't you? But God says to give your enemy a cup of water, right? So you have to renew your mind. Again, this is mind renewal. Paul's showing us how we need to renew our mind. Rejoice with those who rejoice. How are you at rejoicing with those that rejoice? How about you when you got a beat-up car that's barely getting you from point A to point B and somebody gets a new car? Can you go, dang, I'm so thankful they got that car? When somebody goes on vacation and you can't afford one and they're gone for two weeks and you're going, "Uh, must be nice, wish I could afford that. Can you rejoice when others rejoice? When somebody gets pregnant, and you've been trying to have a baby for years, and your heart goes, The Bible says rejoice with them, and the seed that you sow of rejoicing for them will come back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Yeah, <laughs> mourn with those who mourn. Well, how's the last time you've done it, mourning with somebody that's in a real crisis? And we just go, hey, praying for you. Mourn with those who mourn means you mourn as if it's your issue, if it's your child, or if it's your wife, or it's your family, and you take on their burden, and you become an intercessor before the Lord for them. But our mind needs renewed in that. Can we have an amen on that? See how much renewal of the mind that needs to take place as we see upon the word of God of what we're to become? And this isn't to guilt us, it's just to open up the areas of where do we need to be renewed so that we can get in the word of God to get his truth and allow the the renewal process to take place. I'm going to go through the rest really, really quick. Live in harmony with one another. In other words, don't complain and bicker, but be in unity and peace. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, which is your ego and high opinion of yourself, or you fight for your way. You're consumed about self and getting your way or what you think is the best way. Verse 17, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't be quarrelsome. Uh, Maybe you get off Facebook if you don't want to be quarrelsome. Uh, Do not take revenge, inflict harm or hurt on someone physically or emotionally is what that means. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So what we need to do is as we read, and I went through quick this ending of Romans chapter 12, where it talks about love and action. It is ultimately the blueprint that Paul is giving the church in Rome. This is what a transformed life looks like. Now, renew your mind with the washing of my word, And begin to move towards that image and conform to that rather than conforming to the world and the pressure, the squeeze that it's putting on you to look like it. Are you guys with me on that? Are you willing to do these three things? Mercy, offer your body, and what? Renew the mind. More transformation.